Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday is brought to you by Manscaped. Yes, Manscaped. Support for Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming champions of the world. Manscaped offers precision engineering tools for your family jewels. Manscaped just launched their fourth-generation trimmer, the Lawnmower 4.0. You heard that right, 4.0. Join over 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer just for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping by using the code HOOD, my last name, H-O-O-D, at manscaped.com. As we do this podcast today, go to manscaped.com and use the promo code HOOD. So imagine having a sleek, well-designed, and optimized trimmer that makes shaving time your favorite time in the bathroom. I'm one of the first people to try the 4.0, and I'm blown away by the performance. I want you to think about this. Guys, you know that your significant other or yourself can't be happy about what's going on down there, right? So why don't you just make sure that you're taken care of? I mean, get 20% off free shipping using the code HOOD. I want you to think about this. Waterproof trimmers. It reduces the foot odor. The Lawnmower 4.0 helps reduce nicks. Have you ever tried to cut yourself down there by uh, using scissors from the kitchen? Scissors from your kid's room? Come on now. It reduces the risk of ingrown hairs as well and reduces the risk of grooming accidents. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to use Manscaped. But before I use Manscaped, you know what I was doing? What I just talked about using scissors or using my razor. So I'm actually using the razor on my face, on my balls, to get rid of my pubic hair. That's just gross, right? So what I want you to do is I want you to use manscaped.com. Manscaped.com, and I want you to use the promo code HOOD. Save 20% off. It's a great gift for you or for someone else. Again, manscaped.com, promo code HOOD. Welcome in to Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. I'm Jonathan Hood. Take My Breath was the official theme song for Crown Jewel from Saudi Arabia. Glad that you're with me. Don't forget to follow along on Twitter and Instagram at WrestlingTWT. Again, WrestlingTWT for Tuesday, Wrestling Tuesday. Big announcement off the top. You might have seen this on my Instagram at WrestlingTWT or on my other social media platforms. Coming soon. TWT merchandise. Yes, it's happening. Very, very soon, you'll be able to get your own Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday t-shirt, water bottle, uh, tumbler, socks, mm, socks, uh, tote bags, tank tops, and so much more. So if you are a fan of this podcast, 
Make sure that you are hooked up. Be the first one to be hooked up with exciting Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday merchandise. Again, I have some samples out on my Insta story right now. If you missed it, it's right there on Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. Check it out. Different colors for t-shirts and even <clears throat> hoodies. Hoodies, yes, because it is winter someplace. So you make sure that you get ready for a Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday merchandise. All right. Plenty to talk about here on this edition of Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. We will review Crown Jewel from Saudi Arabia. Interesting event taking place this past Thursday as we record this. And we will talk about the dick measuring contest between AEW CEO Tony Khan and former WCW WWE uh, personality Eric Bischoff. So we'll get into all that in this edition of Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. But first, we'll review Crown Jewel. Then I can't wait to talk to you about some of the comments made by Tony Khan as of late. We've got to discuss it right here on this edition of Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. The most interesting storyline in WWE right now is the triangle between Brock Lesnar, Paul Heyman, and the Universal Champion, Roman Reigns. So the main event of Crown Jewel in Saudi Arabia was Brock Lesnar against Roman Reigns, as you well know. I won't tell you why this match is intriguing to me, and just this whole triangle of terror is interesting to me. We start with Brock Lesnar. We've seen Brock Lesnar in the WWE ring for a long time, and we've seen him as a heel. We've seen him with Paul Heyman on several different occasions, and we've seen Brock Lesnar not necessarily do a lot of talking. It's always important for any wrestler to be able to freshen up their gimmick, freshen up their personality, whether you go from heel to babyface or vice versa. Also, you have to have layers. If you're the same wrestler um, five years ago, ten years ago as you are today, then there are no expectations. People expect what you do, and if you're not going to have another layer, if you're not going to get better, uh, if you're not going to have a different personality, wear something different, say something different, then you'll be bland. My issue with John Cena over the years is that he was always the same person. And I just think that to be able to have some heelish-like tendencies or to be able to say something different or your cadence is different, you are more aggressive, less aggressive, whatever it is, right? My issue with John Cena is that John Cena was the same. And uh, he was booed in a lot of arenas, just like other white meat baby faces that are not willing to change. If you're always going to be a baby face, that's fine. That's no problem. But I always think that there is different personalities that have to show. If you're the same person for 10 years, eventually people will get tired of you. And I think that's what happened to John Cena. So with Brock Lesnar, the reason why that this resonates with me so much with Lesnar is because Lesnar is a baby face. Even though he has been cheered for years when he comes out, I mean, look at him. I mean, when he comes down the ramp, he's quite the spectacle, right? I mean, big guy, um, he's an ass kicker, suplex machine, suplex city, all this stuff, right? Well, the reason why that this Brock Lesnar really comes through is because Brock is on the mic now. He doesn't need Paul Heyman to speak for him. And when you have Brock Lesnar, when he says something, you lean in a little bit closer and you're saying, okay, what is Brock saying here? And I think that that is very interesting to me. Brock Lesnar is either aligned with Paul Heyman or not aligned with Paul Heyman. Either way, it's a mystery. 
And really, that's the essence of professional wrestling or any storytelling, any movie, any TV show. You don't need to figure out what's happening in the first five seconds. You need to be able to have a story told so that way you know exactly what's going on. And so with Brock Lesnar, he's looking for the Universal Championship. Paul Heyman. Paul Heyman, I remember watching him and read about him in the magazines when he was in Continental, when he was in Memphis, Tennessee, when he was in Alabama, when he was doing the territories, I remember seeing him and said, boy, he's different. Then I saw him in the AWA and he was the psycho yuppie guy who would have, you know, a cell phone with him the entire time, that big brick phone, and he'd use it as a weapon and he'd be loud and pointing into the camera, all this stuff. And so when I saw Paul Heyman, I said, boy, I remember him in the NWA. I saw him in the AWA. And then he have his own ECW career as the owner and CEO of, um, of ECW. And then you see him in the WWE and he is morphed into something totally different. This iteration of Paul Heyman is totally different than he was with Brock Lesnar or with uh, Joe Hennig or uh, around other wrestlers in the past. This is totally different. This particular Paul Heyman is subservient to Roman Reigns, curtsies to him, bows to him. He's a tribal chief and all that, and he's, he doesn't even move around at ringside like he used to. He's just standing there. In this particular show at Crown Jewel, he was just stoic because he looked conflicted. His guy, Roman Reigns, defending the Universal Championship against Brock Lesnar is almost like Paul was neutral in this scenario. So what happens is, is that both men are down. Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns are down toward the end of this matchup. And there's a weapon that could be used to help someone, right? Paul Heyman has the Universal Championship in his hands. He throws it in the middle of the ring, right between Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar. He just throws it. He wasn't there to help Roman. He wasn't there to help Brock. He was there to help someone, though. And this is why this is so intriguing to me. Let's go back to Crown Jewel. Now just frustration pouring in the block. It is time to get another official out here or something. Both men down again, no official. This has become a free-for-all. You fire your best shot and it doesn't matter right now. Take another look at this. Lesnar looking to end it all. Unaware of the position. Of the official, Roman Reigns knees caught official Charles Robinson is allowed the head of the table to deliver an earth-shaking spear. Now, normally people aren't too sympathetic to the officials, but in this case, we need an official for this match to continue on and have a decisive winner. Rock is down, Roman Reigns is down, and...
not the way you wanted to see this go down, but still no official. Oh, we got it. Love that ongoing story as Roman Reigns retains the championship. The bloodline just continue to interfere. Just can't get a clean match because the Usos are always interfering. The belt shot to the face. Brock is knocked out. One, two, three. You fast forward to Wichita, which is amazing, by the way. The (laughs) The WWE went from Saudi Arabia to Wichita, Kansas. A live show in Saudi Arabia to a live show in SmackDown on Fox in Wichita. Not the east, not the west coast, not Canada, not Hawaii. No, they went right to the middle of the country, Wichita, Kansas. Boy, these guys are getting paid handsomely. God bless them, man. Saudi Arabia off the plane to Wichita to SmackDown, and then Roman Reigns questions Paul Heyman. You holding that title for me or for Brock? Because when I put my hand out, you did the right thing with the mic. But last night, I put my hand out and you just threw the title in the ring. Should we work on this? Here, this is how it's done right here. Hand out. Title to him. Oh, that's pretty easy, right? (laughs) Roman Reigns is living his best life. This is the best Roman Reigns that we have seen, obviously. Um, doesn't sound scripted. Doesn't feel like it's a WWE promo. It feels like Roman Reigns promo because exactly what it is. It's amazing when you let uh, wrestlers have their own say, have their own verbiage, and just be able to just speak and have fun. So that was in Wichita, right? So this is why from the main event, at Crown Jewel, right into SmackDown. It was really amazing this past Friday night um, as Roman Reigns is there in Wichita and is asking for Brock Lesnar. He's like, Brock's not coming out. Brock's not here. He's challenging him. And then all of a sudden, all hell breaks loose. Old school wrestling broke out on this sports entertainment show. Brock going to show up? Uh, Wichita wants what Roman. So do I. So do I. But Brock don't want me. Because he's scared of me. I told you this. I told you this. I done smashed everybody. They're all scared. Don't nobody want it anymore. So, Wichita, this is where we have to part ways. Wise man, tell Charlie to fire up. Wait just a minute. The beast is here. Bigger, better, meaner. 
on SmackDown after one thing. And here comes Brock, and the fight's underway. Brock Lesnar taking down Reigns. And the Beast going right after the Universal Champion. Holy hell. And Roman Reigns is stunned early. Brock Lesnar made a vow he was going to beat Roman Reigns senseless. And now Reigns fighting back. And these two heavyweights. And Reigns into the steps. King Kong Godzilla getting after it. Just one day removed from an epic clash. Well, Brock Lesnar believes he should be the Universal Champion. Then he got screwed last night. And Paul Heyman thinks he should be on a toilet right now. And Lesnar with steel steps in hand. Bouncing him off the face of Reigns of the Champion. Destruction. Roman Reigns talked a big game. He begged Lesnar to come out here tonight, and Brock Lesnar did. Brock lands a Lesnar answer. Now in an upright position. Lesnar looking for the announce table. Lesnar at far, perhaps. And now from behind the Usos, Jimmy and Jay. Reigns cousins and the Beast taking the fight to the Usos. Lesnar off the oh my God. The Usos. Officials out here, everyone trying to talk Brock Lesnar away, and now Lesnar. Lesnar knocking down the cameraman. Oh my God, Lesnar! It's like a ten thousand dollar camera that just got shattered. And Lesnar's throwing bodies everywhere. Freaking fantastic. Fantastic. What we have here is three characters in this story. Usos to the side. A new Brock Lesnar. A new Roman Reigns over the last two years. Almost two years. A new Paul Heyman. And look at the story that's being told. Which side is Heyman on? We still don't know. And that is great storytelling. Let's move on with Crown Jewel and uh, a show that 
had three women at the top of their game, Sasha Banks, Bianca Belair, and Becky Lynch. They stole the show. It was the best match I saw in Crown Jewel. And the reason why is because away from, and this is no shot at, at Edge and Seth Rollins because that's how close that is to being the best match on the show. But Lynch and Belair and Banks worked. They worked. It's not ballet. When it first started off, I think that all three women were trying to feel feel each other, trying to feel their, you know, themselves as far as the momentum and who's going to do what in the match. But I thought that for a three-way dance, that really worked out well um, with Lynch, Belair, and Banks. Sasha Banks doesn't have bad matches. Could someone send me at Wrestling TWT a bad match that Sasha Banks has wrestled in? Just send it to me. Wherever you're listening to me from, whether it's the ESPN Chicago app or Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, wherever you found this podcast, just hit me up on social. And by the way, I always want your thoughts on what's going on with uh, professional wrestling. So just hit me up at WrestlingTWT on Instagram and Twitter. I just want you to tell me um, the bad match that Sasha Banks has been in because she's never in a bad match. Bianca Belair, you know, I'll be honest. I wasn't sure what Bianca Belair was supposed to be when she was in NXT. I saw her, the long braid. I know that she was, you know, she was built. And I said, you know, you know, she's going to be something. She was uh, trained by Mark Henry and others. And I thought, okay, you know, she's a strong woman, but is she over? Will, Will she get over? And you see her now, especially in this match. Do you know that she raised... She press slammed Sasha Banks one hand with one arm. Not both hands. She did it with one arm. That's impressive strength. Every time I see Bianca Belair, I see her feats of strength, how strong that she really is. And I think that's really cool because I think that's very unique in the business, how strong she really is. As a worker, she's coming along nicely, I believe. But at first, I wasn't sure. That's why you never give up on young talent. Because you see the athleticism there. You see the strength there. But it's like, okay, can't she work? Does she give you the emotion like, oh, she's in trouble. Or, man, I'm rooting for her. Or I'm against her. Yeah, Bianca Belair, uh, she's coming along really nicely as a WWE superstar. And then there's Becky Lynch. You know, you take a look at her. Of course she can go. Absolutely. She's had a lot of great matches uh, in the WWE. So... All three women are in here, and boy, that is progress to have three women and also Jessica Carr, the uh, female official, to work this event in Saudi Arabia. It is uh, great to see the women to be able to, I mean, I know that it looks weird uh, probably to just a, a American eye to watch these women in their t-shirts and covering up their arms and covering up their legs because, well, you can't show skin Hardly in, um, you know, if you're a woman in that country. I'm just really happy that these women can perform and not be, you know, set aside or taken off the card because they're women. We've seen this the last few years, but I just wanted to point that out that at Crown Jewel, the women are able to wrestle. Yes, they're not in their normal gear. Yes, they have to cover up their arms and their, and, you know, they have to wear their uh, merch and cover up their legs and feet. But you know what? Doesn't matter. Those women really gave a great effort. Closing moments of this one with Becky Lynch, Bianca Belair, as well as Sasha Banks. Can she lock it in? Belair doing her best to fight it. Now she rolls through. Now the disarmer's in. 
This is going to do it. Well, Eric's trying to fight. Banks back in. Down goes Banks. Oh, and Becky gosh. looking for a double disorder. Who's going to tap first? It doesn't matter because Becky will retain if it happens. Sasha Banks and Bianca Belair at the mercy of, of Becky Lynch. Well, we're at the mercy. Say that again, Saxton. I love it when you're wrong. Oh, Bianca Belair powering both women off their feet. What a display. Oh, what a nasty landing. The Lynch backstabbed. Belair's down. Sasha Banks trying to wrestle Becky down to the mat. Oh! Oh! The impact of those kicks. Well, Becky Lynch. And now for a third time, we got to see the manhandle slam. This time, Banks able to counter. Becky stopped her. Belair from behind. Oh. Belair with Becky oh. on top. K.O.D. Kiss of death. Oh, no, 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 no. Sasha from behind now. Banks is going to steal it. Banks set outside the ring. Banks tripping up Belair. It's smart. It's what Sasha's got to do. Prevent the fall by any means necessary. And now Becky Lynch rolling Banks up. Shoulders the ropes, down. The ropes, the ropes. It doesn't matter. It's triple threat. There you have it, at Crown Jewel, Becky Lynch holding on to the ropes to win. As Barna Saxton was just pointing out, you know, she's got the ropes. And Michael Cole bellows out, it doesn't matter, it's a triple threat. Well, whatever, to those rules. Uh, but I thought that was a tremendous match. I thought it was the best match at Crown Jewel. Because all three ladies worked hard. And um, as I mentioned, Sasha Banks, Bianca Belair, Lynch. The story is interesting with Lynch and... Um, and what's happening with her as she retains the championship. Let me just fast forward now to um, Wichita, Kansas again and go to SmackDown. So I'm not going to play the audio because it's more of a visual than an audio. But I'll explain what happened here with Charlotte Flair and Becky Lynch. So there is Sonya Deville. Ugh. Sonya Deville is in the ring as the one of the co-general managers of SmackDown. Whatever, I don't understand. I don't know why Adam Pearce just can't just run everything, but I got to have co-GMs or whatever, authority figures on SmackDown and Raw and whatever. So here's Charlotte Flair, if you saw it, and Becky Lynch, and they have to exchange championships because... One woman is on one brand and one woman is on the other, but they have each other's championships for the brand, right? So it's like, I think Becky is going to be exclusively Raw and Shaw is going to be exclusively SmackDown. I might have that confused, but I think that that's what's happening. If it's the other way, it's the other way. I don't care. It's just there should be one women's champion to for both brands. It should be. One woman's champion, one heavyweight champion, you know, one set of tag team champions, just for to cover both brands. NXT should have their own championships, 205 Live, Cruiserweight Champ, whatever, right? To, to me, it's way too many championships because now it's watered down. The ultimate reason why we all watch wrestling is to be entertained and to be able to see who the best is. And when everyone's the best and when everyone has championships, then you water it down. Now, no one has championships. It's kind of like, like football, especially college football. When, you have, when you're running out there two or three different quarterbacks, actually, that means you have none. 
So the same thing here with the championships. If you have two sets of heavyweight champions and two sets of tag team champions and two sets of women's champions, then you really don't have any. But I'll get off the soapbox on that. Anyway, so here's what was very strange about this if you watched it on SmackDown on Friday night. There clearly is a problem between Charlotte and Becky, or is there? The best thing is, from my standpoint, is if this is just a work, then it's really well done by the WWE. It wouldn't surprise me because if there's a work happening and it's on SmackDown, it it wouldn't surprise me if it's on the SmackDown side. Raw, it would surprise me. But SmackDown, a little bit more edgy, a little bit more wrestling, less less sports entertainment. So I've always kind of leaned towards SmackDown over the past decade because it's a little bit more wrestling uh, than, than sports entertainment for me. For my taste. And it's two hours, of course. But let's get to the point here. Charlotte and Becky were supposed to exchange their championships to represent their brands. And like, Charlotte Flair relinquished the championship, but then threw it at the feet of Becky. Becky threw the the belt into the abdomen of of Charlotte Flair. And it was really kind of awkward. I saw what people on social media were saying, boy, that was a terrible way to end SmackDown. Sasha Banks comes out afterwards and she's challenging Charlotte Flair, blah, blah, blah. But people said, boy, it was such a flat end to SmackDown. Well, maybe that narrative changes if this is something that's really happening between Charlotte and Becky. I'm reading everything uh, online. Numerous websites are saying that there is a disconnect between Charlotte and uh, Becky Lynch. So let me read to you what it says from WrestlingInc.com. Raj Geary, who's been on this program before, is uh, one of the heads of uh, Wrestling Inc. So this is what was written about Becky Lynch and Charlotte. Okay. So first of all, an encore presentation of SmackDown aired on Saturday to fill the gap of the Astros and Red Sox. So that was supposed to be Game 7. There was no Game 7, so... Fox aired an encore of Friday Night SmackDown, uh, which ended up going head-to-head with AEW Dynamite on Saturday. (laughs) Not a surprise, right? Um, Because the series ended in six games, so Fox moved WWE to fill the gap. Now, the big news coming out of the show was a little title change, as I just talked about the segment between uh, Charlotte and Becky Lynch, the title exchange, not title change, but the title exchange between the two. So... Apparently, none of that was supposed to happen, but backstage it was said to be a way for Charlotte to one-up Lynch. Going into this, Charlotte reportedly did not want to look weak, and a strained friendship with Lynch may have added to the decision-making. That particular part of the segment was edited out of the encore, although Lynch throwing the title, which was in the script, remained. So in an update by TalkSport, apparently both Charlotte and Lynch expressed concerns about the initial plan from Vince McMahon of Lynch getting both titles for a moment before tossing one to Charlotte. After the mix-up, Charlotte told Lynch the title drop was an accident, although few backstage believed that to be true. Uh, and so I saw the video. If you get a chance to watch that, see that for yourself. But um, apparently there was a major issue of the way Charlotte Flair dropping the belt during the SmackDown Encore on Friday on the Fox on Saturday. So they edited it out. So clearly that was not supposed to happen. So when I say if it's a shoot on SmackDown, that wouldn't surprise me. If it was on Raw, it would. 
So clearly, because it was edited out of the replay, the encore edition, then WWE is not happy with that. Also, I read that Vince McMahon is very unhappy with Charlotte because Charlotte just blew right past Vince McMahon at the grill position and did not talk to Vince about it. Didn't talk to him about it. Just just left. <laughs> and so uh, Andrade El Idolo, who is the boyfriend of Charlotte, tweeted on Saturday Fuck WWE. So why does that why does that happen? I mean, he works for AEW. Why does he say that? You know why he said that? Is because clearly Charlotte had a problem with that whole segment of I mean, to me, just you have to squash this, right? In the story, you have to exchange titles. So just exchange the titles, do what that needs to be done and get over with. But the egos between Charlotte and Becky Lynch Apparently a problem. And people have honed in on this on social media if you've seen this. The look on Becky, Becky Lynch's face. <laughs> the look on her face uh, when the title was just thrown down, right? She's trying to get the championship and it's thrown down to the ground. And uh, so there's some uh, disrespect there for sure. PW Insider also, I'm looking at this, also reported the initi- initially uh, that this is supposed to be a situation where Lynch wasn't supposed to toss the title at Charlotte. Uh, and so both women clearly in the wrong here for all of this. But again, some realism in there. But here's the problem. Here's the problem. Charlotte versus Becky would be box office, right? But there's a brand, uh, there's a brand split. This would be box office, but there is a brand split, split with Raw and SmackDown. So are we going to get that match at WrestleMania? Are we going to get that match at the Royal Rumble? Are we going to get that match next week? No, because they're on different brands. Because really, the focus now is Sasha against Charlotte. I know Survivor Series is right around the corner, and eventually they're going to meet. But isn't that the main event that we all want to see if there's really stress between and real heat between Charlotte and Becky? I'd say so. If the women's match with Lynch and Belair and Banks was one, the number one match for me, definitely a 1A, a very close two, would be the Hell in a Cell match between Edge and Seth Rollins. The closing moments of this one. Hell in a Cell, there's a lot of heat between these two. Here it is. Around the foot of Seth Rollins, the super kick. This is a formality at this point. just a formality, Corey, but this is how your fairy tale ends. This is just, just the edge is just beat to hell. This is the shell of the rated R superstar. He's defenseless. This is what Edge wanted. Edge is against the chair. Rollins has wrapped his boot in chain. The death blows. Does Edge have anything left? Can Edge dig down deep and one more time come through with something? They'll call him the ultimate opportunist for nothing. Here's where the grit, here's where the determination gets put to the test for Edge. I mean, Edge can barely get his legs underneath him. Rollins can't breathe. Edge back to his feet. Edge stalking Rollins. Look in his eyes. Kick to Rollins, much like Seth did to Edge. We are inside the cell, but at this very moment, hell is in the eyes of the rated R superstar. 
It's stumbling around, but eyes still locked on Seth Rollins. Now it's Rollins who's helpless. It's Rollins at the receiving end of the kicks from Edge. Now trying to get a hold of that chain. Rollins desperately trying to crawl away. And now it's oh, it's Edge. Oh my. And now using the chain to punish and make Rollins suffer. And Rollins has a, a, a wrench. Oh, she had a wrench. Edge has it now. Oh my goodness. The glass can't win. Upset Rollins has the wrench locked in. Is Rollins going to tap? Is Rollins going to fade? It's got to be torturous for Rollins. Rollins is going to tap. What's the matter with Edge? Why? I think Rollins is about to tap out. Oh, Edge wants more. I think Edge wants more punishment to be inflicted on Seth Rollins. I think Edge has a better idea. A more barbaric idea. Rollins is helpless right now. But Edge, you gotta be careful. Edge with a stop. Oh, a stop to Rollins. How appropriate that this match ends with Rollins on the move. A stop. Here is your winner. The winner of Superstar. Wow. Hell of a match. No question between those two. Seth Rollins and Edge. Edge is one of my favorite wrestlers of all time. He is fun to watch. It's good that you know he was away for a while, comes back, and once again giving us five-star matches. And uh, it is really great to be able to see uh, Edge in this light. My question is, so how much longer? How much longer will this rivalry go? <laughs> That's my question. How much longer will this rivalry go? To see Edge and Seth Rollins, it's always classic to see those two in the ring, but I'm wondering, does this end it, or is there another match happening? Hell in a Cell should be the end. As a matter of fact, this match should have stopped long ago, right? Even though I still have a fun time watching them, I'm just thinking, like, how long will these two wrestle each other? And did the right guy go over? As much as I'm an Edge fan, did the right guy go over? Edge is still a part-timer. And so because he's still a part-timer, Seth Rollins is still going to be up there with his terrible suits and his fake laugh and dancing around like the devil. He's going to be out there every week on television. Edge will not. So did the right guy really go over? Was this an opportunity for Seth Rollins to finally get his revenge? Finally, finally get his revenge on Edge. And then Edge just kind of goes away for a while until WrestleMania. Just think about that. Unless Edge is going to be out there every week, which I'm totally fine with. If he's a regular, that's fine. But if Edge is still going to be a part-timer, did the right guy really win? The exhaustion's a factor. Drew was barely able to hook a leg. That could have made all the difference. If the leg had been hooked, we may have a new champion right now. But that's what these two are doing to one another in the ring right now. It is exhausting, it is brutal, and it is exciting. There's doubt starting to creep into the mind of the former champion. WWE Universe here chanting, giving Drew instructions one more time. Maybe that's all it's going to take. I bet, bet they're oh, right. Maybe something else. Maybe the big ending. And Big E able to counter. And Big E ducks underneath. Look at this. Whoa. Oh, 
Great Corey Graves. And when I say great, I mean with a really small G. Um, so Corey Graves with Byron Saxton and Michael Cole on the call. Michael Cole had a hell of a pay-per-view, a hell of a crown jewel. Uh, he's really been on the top of his game. I think working with Pat McAfee, I think that's helped him relax more. And I think that he's been really, really, really good. Of course, any broadcaster just needs something to call, right? And so when you have these big events and especially what's happened on SmackDown. I think Michael Cole's really come into his own as um, a tremendous storyteller in this sports entertainment era of the WWE. So Big E, the company champion in the middle of the card, defeats Drew McIntyre. And I just want to make sure that I tell you guys that once again, Big E is the WWE champion. He's the company champion, just like Bob Backlund, just like Hulk Hogan, looks like Pedro Morales, just like Stone Cold, The Rock, Shawn Michaels, Bret Hart, The Undertaker, Sid, all these wrestlers, but really not the man. He's more like Rey Mysterio or CM Punk or Bray Wyatt, unfortunately. So he is the champion, but really not the guy. The guy is Roman Reigns. But I'm glad that Big E has a WWE championship because he's having really tremendous singles matches. We've been waiting for this for a while, and now he's a WWE champion. So I, I thought it was a very, very good match, by the way. Very physical. And that's what you want, right? Two big bulls in there, kind of a, not necessarily a hoss fight. That's, I wouldn't call it that, but just two big guys just going at it. Um, suplexes, power moves, Drew McIntyre and Big E tore down the house. It's one of my... Uh, Favorite matches uh, on Crown Jewel. This, you know, again, Crown Jewel was pretty stacked with really terrific card. as uh, a very terrific card, so really enjoyed watching that. Hey, this portion of Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday is brought to you by the people at Manscaped. Manscaped.com. Use the promo code HOOD. You can get 20% off for below-the-waist grooming. Go to Manscaped.com. Promo code HOOD. You think, oh, I don't need that. Well, if you don't think you need it, buy it for someone else. I think that they'll really enjoy it. Your balls will thank you. Manscaped.com, promo code HOOD, H-O-O-D. So we take a look now at the rest of this card, including the New Day really shining once again. Not just because Big E is the WWE champion. But the other reason why that this is great is because we see that a guy that I did not expect, I did not expect for him to have a lot of single success in WWE, but it has, has happened now. We have a new King of the Ring. Now, when I heard that there was a Queen and King of the Ring um, tournament, I rolled my eyes. I'm like, oh, God, okay. King of the Ring. King of the Ring does not mean what it used to mean. What it used to mean is if you're the King of the Ring, you're going to be the guy. Like, or you're going to be the next person to have a major run as a champion. It could have been an Intercontinental Champion. I don't know about World Champion as much for on in some occasions, but I'll definitely an Intercontinental run. 
And so to see the finals on the men's side for the King of the Ring and Finn Balor against Xavier Woods, that was a really, it was a good match, that's for sure. I did not expect Xavier Woods to win. I didn't expect that. I know he went to the finals, but Finn Balor, I mean, he's been around the company for a while, and so is Xavier Woods. But good for him that he's a King of the Ring. Someone said on social media that the New Day is the most successful faction in wrestling history as far as all the accolades, right? Kofi Kingston was once WWE champion. Big E now is a WWE champion. And now Xavier Woods is the king of the ring. Now, of course, the New Day's had the tag team championships, what, seven or eight times? They've had it a ton. So I had to think about that for a second. Because the first faction I think about as far as success are the fabulous Freebirds, Michael Hayes, Buddy Roberts, Terry Gordy. Now, Michael Hayes was once the United States champion in the NWA, multiple tag team championships with Terry Gordy. Terry Gordy was the UWF champion. Um, again, tag team champions in that Freebirds. I remember Buddy Roberts. Buddy Roberts, even before he was a Freebirds, he was still a terrific wrestler, um, part of the fabulous Blondes. And part of the Freebirds was the television champion, whatever the secondary championship was for Mid-South and the UWF, he was that. Um, Six-man tag team champions, the Freebirds, I'm thinking about this off the top of my head. You know, the New Day, based on two world champions in the same faction, you know what, there might be something to that. I have to research that a little bit more, but I just wanted to throw it out there to you. Uh, If you have a more successful faction, hit me on that. A, a faction that's, that was still together, not like um, not like the faction that The Rock was in, uh, the Nation of Domination with Ron Simmons and Mark Henry and D'Lo Brown. I don't mean that. I'm Think about a faction that's still together and still successful. The New Day, even though you know Xavier Woods wins a, uh, a singles King of the Ring final tournament there, and you've got Kobe Kingston here, the New Day is still kind of together in a lot of ways, even though they might be in different brands. But is this the most successful faction in, in wrestling history? Let's think about that for a second. A few other news and notes from Crown Jewel. Usos and Hurt Business. Usos defeat the Hurt Business. Pretty good matchup. Of course, um, not surprised that those four turned um, toward the building down with Cedric Alexander and Shelton Benjamin against the Usos. That's very good. Mansoor against Mustafa Ali. Uh, you know, good match. It's just a shame that both of these wrestlers are just in neutral. Mansoor is there to perform for his home country. He had a lot of family and friends there. And that's great that he got over and won. It was in the second match in front of the home folks of Saudi Arabia. At least he didn't get embarrassed this time. Like usually the WWE way is to embarrass you in front of your hometown. Mansoor got over, but he goes back to the States and he'll just be nothing. Just will just be there just to get to the next Saudi Arabia event. That's really a shame. Two young guys working hard and they just can't get over in the eyes of Vince McMahon. RK Bro against AJ Styles and almost oh God. I don't want to see that again. I know we'll see it again. I just I I couldn't care less about this. RK Bro, it's just you know what's going to happen between uh, Randy Orton and what's going to happen with him and Riddle. So I mean, we know what this is. So fast forward through that. Uh, Do drop against Zelina Vega, that surprised me as well. Zelina Vega goes through almost a year and not win a match. 
And she gets to the Queen Crown Finals and wins over Dewdrop. Dewdrop is a terrific wrestler. I saw her wrestle in NXT UK. I've seen her on YouTube. I mean, she can go, right? I mean, she's a terrific wrestler. But then just the it, you see the match and you see the size of Dewdrop, the power of Dewdrop, and then you see Zelina Vega, you know, just uh <laughs> just a meal or two away from being, you know, an AEW a Japanese wrestler. Um I just, I just don't understand why that was the final. I don't know why that was the case. But Zelina Vega defeats Dewdrop. I just don't understand that. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I'm just serious. Like, it's like Rio out there against Dewdrop in a lot of ways, just because of the size differential. Just, I didn't expect the underdog in that spot to beat Dewdrop, but it happened. Goldberg against Bobby Lashley. Falls count anywhere. Oh, God. Is Goldberg okay? He's limping around with that leg. Bobby Lashley, just so much more powerful. And Goldberg said, I'm going to kill you for touching my child. Goldberg did not kill Bobby Lashley. What happened to the death? I was guaranteed a death there. Bobby Lashley was supposed to die in this match, right? Goldberg says, you you touch my kid. You know what? I'm going to kill you. He never killed him. I'm very disappointed there was no death there. What happened to that? Um, and so ultimately I thought that it was a, a very solid card, uh, a B plus card, uh, for crown jewels. Some say it's the best, um, that the WWE's had to offer this year. Possibly. I, I don't know. I just, I think that for the most part, all the workers worked hard, um, and it just extends the storyline into survivor series. So, I was pretty happy about a lot of the stuff that I saw there, but I thought the women stole it, and I think Edge and Seth Rollins were very, very close, a very close second, because both told a great story. You're able to see Big E, you're able to see Roman Reigns uh, retain their championship, so all in all, Crown Jewel, thumbs up for me, for sure. And finally, on Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday, let's talk about Eric Bischoff and Tony Khan. Let's talk about... Both Eric Bischoff and Tony Khan, shall we? We'll first start with Tony Khan and something that he tweeted that I need to talk to you about. Tony Khan has been tweeting up a storm. He usually does, right? He's promoting AEW. So I spoke in our previous episode of Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. I said, hey, if it's Vince McMahon, if it's Nick Khan, if it's Court Bauer, if it is Tony Khan, if you're a promoter, you have to promote, right? You are in a business to be able to push your product out there. You want to put your best foot forward and say, this is my product. Watch our product. Have fun with our product. You've got to be able to watch it. Promote it as much as possible. But there are lines that were crossed, I thought, from Tony Khan. And here's one. On October 15th, Tony Khan says, I've never met Ted Turner. It's very possible Ted Turner is smarter than me, but he didn't know 1% of what I know about professional wrestling or WCW would still be on TNT TBS. AEW is here to stay. Watch AEW Rampage live tonight, blah, blah, blah. I've never met Ted Turner. It's very possible Ted Turner is smarter than me, but he didn't know 1% of what I know about professional wrestling or WCW would still be in business on TNT and TBS. Okay, let's start here. I don't know why he thought it was necessary to drag Ted Turner into this. Ted Turner is having a hard time right now. Um, He doesn't speak anymore as far as on the record. Um, And 
you know, he's out of the wrestling business. He's out of the he's out of the Turner business, quite frankly. He, he doesn't even own TNT or TBS. His name's still there. He doesn't. Even, he's got nothing to do with those uh, channels, with those stations. I don't know why Tony Khan thought it was best for him to put himself over and shit on Ted Turner. Ted Turner believed in wrestling on a on, on a national basis when others did not. Ted Turner was the one that believed in Georgia Championship Wrestling and WCW and the National Wrestling Alliance. As a matter of fact, Ted Turner built his empire on several things. Atlanta Braves baseball, uh, World Championship Wrestling, and CNN. I mean, and Andy Griffin reruns, pretty much. I mean, he, he built it on those four things. And so I don't know why Tony Khan thinks that he has to put himself over by saying that about Ted Turner. Now, let's move forward. This whole thing a couple weeks ago, and it, you go back to the archives of Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday, you heard uh, Ryan McKinnell and I on Busted Open talking about this. This whole thing where the WWE started this war. I know that WWE fans don't want to hear that, but that's exactly what happened. They started this. And you know that Tony Khan wanted to be able to have an alternative wrestling company. And there's nothing wrong with that. But I just want to point out that the WWE started this by saying, hey, you know, this is a Triple H saying this is a piss at and company. And of course, Vince McMahon felt threatened because it's another billionaire coming into his territory, into his expertise in professional wrestling. And so here is an opportunity for Rampage to show what they can do from 9 to 10 p.m. Central Time on Friday nights. And all of a sudden, the WWE says, here, we're going to make sure that SmackDown is an extra half hour longer on FS1 from 7 to 9.30 p.m. Central Time. And guess what? I'm not necessarily a, a guy that's pouring through the ratings. I retweet them at Wrestling TWT for you, for you to see. But guess what? Apparently, it was a tie, or in some demos, uh, people were really into CM Punk and Matt Seidel over the women's match of Becky Lynch and um, and Sasha Banks. So in some categories, WWE even lost that half hour. Are we really parsing over half hours now? You could tell that this is a wrestling war of some distinction because, as I just talked about earlier in the podcast, on Saturday, because there was no Game 7 in the baseball playoffs, the WWE wanted to put their their re-air of SmackDown against a fresh AEW Dynamite from Orlando, Florida. Why do that? Unless you're just trying to take care of the audience, right? Not taking care of the WWE audience, trying to make sure AEW fans come on over and watch SmackDown on a re-air. Clearly, there is a battle between these two companies. But Tony Khan is saying a lot. I thought he crossed the line talking about Ted Turner because Ted's not in this fight anymore. So here's Eric Bischoff on 83 Weeks with Eric Bischoff. I just happened to be listening, and he gave Tony Khan some advice. If Tony were to call me and ask for any advice, here's what it would be. Shut up and wrestle, dude. Just put out the best product you can, and you've proven you can. Focus on that. Now, this is weird coming for me, right? The guy who challenged Vince McMahon, the guy who did all the good, gave away their finishes, right? So people are listening to this and going, yeah, but that's him. The young Tony. Yeah, yeah, what the hell? Yeah. But here's the difference. I was actually competing with him. I was going head-to-head, real head-to-head. Like, 
My show started the same time his show started each and every week. And another thing Tony came out and says, oh, we're, you know, we're at the 1996 stage of WCW and we're just going to not make their mistakes. Tony, you're inventing some mistakes, brother. By coming out there and, and constantly comparing yourself or deriding your competition, but not having the willingness, I almost said balls, not having the willingness to say, okay, let's go head to head. Let's really compete. Let's see who can get whose market share. That's real competition. So I, I'm, I'm a little disappointed in the rhetoric that I'm hearing out of Tony, as well as some of their talent, man. Shut the fuck up. Until you're actually competing and you're actually competing favorably. And by the way, Tony, in 1996, I was kicking WWE's ass every week in a real head-to-head competition, not a cosplay competition. Tony Khan, CEO of AEW, responds on Busted Open. Uh, well, I really like Eric, and I was kind of surprised by Eric's comments because they were coming from Eric Bischoff. <laughs> I think Eric Bischoff is probably the last person anybody would expect to say that they think the president of a wrestling company should be quiet. But then when it comes to head-to-head competition, like you said, Dave, we were in a head-to-head competition this past week. It was only 30 minutes, and I didn't ask for it. You know, We were in our time slot, and... Somebody came into our time slot aggressively, and we generally responded pretty well and been very successful. And I was amused by Eric's comments. I, again, I like Eric when we're together, but this is the ultimate example, I think, of glass houses in some ways, knowing how Eric conducted himself when he was the president of WCW. And really, he did ask for the head-to-head competition, and I think he said publicly, you know, I should be going for that. But it's, I don't decide when the shows are on. This time slot, we had looked at a couple of different slots and this was one that they thought would do well and I was pretty supportive of. I was surprised that the competition was going to be commercial free but I thought it was even more impressive given that I was forced to take a couple breaks and since the numbers came in Monday I haven't said much because I think those numbers speak for themselves. I'm just really proud that we won that head-to-head. You know we didn't make the choice to go head-to-head for 30 minutes against the competition especially when they decided to do 30 minutes commercial free and they lost. But for Eric Bischoff, of all people, the guy who got lowered down on a motorcycle from the ceiling, the guy who challenged Vince McMahon to fight him, to say that somebody should be quiet, it's it's laughable. And Eric is doing an act, and I respect it, but let's be serious. You know, Eric used to be a wrestling company executive, and now he is a commentator. And as a commentator, he's trying to stir up controversy. But I think it it would be pretty naive of anybody to look at this and not examine that the person talking is Eric Bischoff, who is the most outspoken wrestling executive of all time, and somebody who got a lot of heat, but somebody who also just, look, if we're going to be honest, like the things I'm trying to do in terms of balancing these great stars we have, like the CM Punk and Chris Jericho and Brian Danielson, and you also have uh, a whole crew of people that are the young stars, a lot of them are becoming young established stars on TV too, and whether it's MJF, Britt Baker, and so many others, Darby Allen in particular, these are stars that I'm committed to, to keeping an AEW and not losing and building around. And, you know, when Eric says, focus on the wrestling, I am focused on the wrestling and pushing these people and not running them out of the company like Chris Jericho couldn't get out of WCW fast enough and Eddie Guerrero put in his place. And the wrestlers were told by their boss that there's only three guys in the company that when Eric said that Hogan, Savage, and Piper were the only three guys that had ever drawn money. Of course, a slap in the face to a few other people in the room. 
the morale of the young wrestlers who are busting their asses every week. It just doesn't make sense. So I am happy and grateful to not go off like that every week and really only when there's a call for it, when there's you know competition brought to our doorstep and we have to respond. And I think uh, there's nothing to talk about now because I think we did what we had to do last weekend and now we can enjoy it and also look forward to great cards this weekend. Wow. A lot there from Tony Khan, right, on Busted Open on Sirius XM. Well, interesting, right? So there was a time where Eric Bischoff was very mouthy and going after uh, Vince McMahon when he was the president and CEO of WCW. And now you heard Eric Bischoff said, just, you know, sh- just shut up and wrestle, okay? And so from Eric's standpoint, he says, well, we went head to head so I could chirp and ultimately saying, Tony Khan, you're not really going head to head with w- with the WWE. So, you know, your ratings don't count. Now, listen, my thought on this is very consistent. And that is, as a promoter, you say what you want to say. You say what you want to say as a pro. Hey, do what you think is best as a promoter. But I will say this. That what numbers are we really talking about here? What numbers are we talking about? We're talking about minuscule numbers. I, I get a kick out of like the Dave Meltzers and others that are talking about granular numbers, small numbers, talking about the demo. Who won and what in the demo? I mean, it's WWE, and, and I got to speak for about WWE for a second. WWE needs to be able to look into their own home and figure out how come they're struggling? How come that they're not as popular as they once were when it comes to uh, against AEW? Popularity only in this regard, where Raw is a joke now. Raw it reminds me of the end of WCW in 2001, 2002. Now, as I mentioned, we just reviewed Crown Jewel. I thought that it was a terrific card. When you see the wrestlers like Big E and Drew McIntyre and Edge and Seth Rollins and Lynch and Belair and and Banks and seeing Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns, I mean, the top is is terrific. The point is, though, is that when you watch Raw, which is considered the flagship show of w, of the WWE, it's the shits. SmackDown, especially with with Roman on there and Fox, it's been great. But again. There's a perception about the WWE is that it's the same. It is stale. And you know what? A lot of it is stale. A lot of it is stale. And for AEW, again, it's an acquired taste AEW. What you're seeing is momentum. You're seeing young stars. You're seeing veterans. And yeah, Tony Khan is buying up all the free agents, the Drew, you know, the the, um, Brian Danielsons and the Adam Coles. And Tony Nese apparently will be part of this uh, company pretty soon. And, you know, many others, right? But the point is, though, is that AEW is the new hot thing on the block. Will it be sustainable? Who knows? Will they burn themselves out? Who knows? Uh, they are. Uh, they. I think they've slowed down as a company and are not as quick to just burn through matches. There are some stories that are starting to be told here. Um, but the point I, I want to make is, is that it's great that we have two companies that we can look at. You plant your flag with the WWE, that's great. You're an AEW fan, that's great. You're a New Japan fan, that's great. You're a Ring of Honor fan, it's fine. But it's good for wrestling. Uh, you know, some people, especially young people, 
are they have never went through the nineties. Never they're so young they don't know the rivalry of WCW and the WWE. They see the documentaries told by the WWE that doesn't even tell the real story of the real rivalry between Eric Bischoff and Vince McMahon. You'll hear the podcast; it doesn't tell the real story unless you lived it like I did, week after week, reading the articles, watching the television shows. It's very compelling on how all this has come together. But I will tell you that Tony Khan versus Vince McMahon, Vince feels like he's being threatened. Vince feels like like he needs to be able to do what he can to put his program against AEW's. And it's not working. What should happen is Vince should look into his own home and say, man, how come we're losing the young people? How come we're averaging an average age of 60 uh, plus age 60 and plus on my NXT show as supposed to be our young show and you know with a fresh coat of paint how come how come the average age is somewhere between 60 and 62 years of age that's the thing you gotta look for as I mentioned earlier in the podcast with Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar and Paul Heyman some of the same faces that you know but the difference is is that these guys have a fresh coat of paint. They're different personalities. And that's something that the WWE's got to look at. I'm not saying they need to go all the way back to the Attitude Era, but you, when you see the same old, same old, and it's just the same, that's the reason why AEW fans resonate. That's why AEW fans are rooting hard for their company because it's not the same. The matches aren't the same. The outcomes aren't the same. The verbiage, the promos aren't the same. They're all different personalities. And I think that that's the difference between the two companies. As far as Tony Khan's concerned, Tony is, is doing fine for a, a company that's a couple years old. He's doing fine. It's I think it's a better product today than it was when it first started. That's for sure. But uh, when I hear Eric Bischoff say shut up and wrestle, that's exactly what they're doing. They're wrestling. Sure. Tony Khan is speaking out against Vince McMahon. And I, I've been going through his Twitter. You know, Tony Khan's like, oh, I, I can't wait. I can't wait to take on you head to head. A half hour? <laughs> Smackdown for a half hour against uh, the first half hour of AEW Rampage? I mean, he's talking smack, but that's what the promoters do. Don King's done it. Uh, you know, Dana White's done it. So they can talk. No problem. Just perform and produce. Give us great wrestling content. You could talk all day. Don't forget, we've got coming soon new Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday merchandise, T-shirts, water bottles. We've got tumblers. I'll tumble for you. We've got socks. We've got tote bags. And we've got tank tops and so much more. If you are a fan of this podcast, thank you so much for downloading the podcast, number one. Number two, thank you so much for supporting the merchandise. It's coming soon. So check out my Instagram IG and on Twitter at Wrestling TWT again, Wrestling TWT. As I let you go, let me go back to Off the Record, a show from Canada from TSN back in the days for in the 1990s. Eric Bischoff was sitting down talking about in the late 90s the difference between the WWF at the time and WCW. Does this sound, sound like Tony Khan to you? Listen. Think of from television ratings. It's not even competitive anymore. It used to be fun. Tuesdays used to be fun because we get the Nielsen ratings on Tuesday afternoons at four o'clock. We used to look forward to that because it was competitive. You felt like you were in a race. It's not even a race anymore. We're so far ahead of them. From a pay-per-view buy rate point of view, which is a, a major revenue stream, 
we're way ahead of them. From an arena point of view, which is what he's always laid claim to, is the fact that he's an arena-driven company and not a television company. That's how he justifies or accepts the fact that he's getting his, his butt kicked in TV. He said that, no, we, you know, we do much better in arenas than they do. They don't. Last year, in 1997, he averaged 5,800 people per arena. We averaged 5,400. So far, in 1998, we're ahead of him. So there, we're neck and neck. And in every other category, we're ahead of him. But don't you... <laughs> Well, that's funny. He's breaking down the numbers. And Eric justifies it by saying, well, we were head to head, so I could talk my shit about WCW against the WWF. It's the same thing. He's a promoter. He's got to promote his product, and it's okay with me. All right, as always, my friends, I thank you for listening to Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday right here, wherever you've downloaded this podcast. I just tell people from the sports wrestling capital of the world, Chicago, Illinois, I just tell you, my friends, just to tell people that Jonathan Hood Talks Wrestling, Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday, we're well over an hour in because we have so much to get into. Um, So thanks so much for listening. And by the way, prayers and um, good feelings and good tides out to... um, Jim Ross. Jim Ross uh, apparently has um, something going on with his ankle and foot. There's um, cancer that he has to have removed. Uh, he's going to have a procedure. Uh, he put out on Twitter and Instagram uh, that he has cancer in his foot and uh, he is going to get that um, taken care of. All the best to Jim to uh, have a, a speedy recovery and to have him right back in the booth uh, for AEW. He was there in Orlando after saying this, so hopefully he won't miss any time. But yeah, all the best to Jim Ross, a friend of this program. All right, I'm Jonathan Hood. Thanks for listening. I'd love to get your feedback uh, at WrestlingTWT uh, on Instagram and Twitter and, of course, on the Facebook page, Facebook.com. Thanks for listening. Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday brought to you by Manscaped.com. Promo code is Hood. Next week, I have to beat Eddie Kingston. And then, I have to go on to the finals. Eddie, you're standing in my way. Whoa, whoa, instigator. (laughs) Look, last year's full gear, this close. This close to reaching a dream, a goal, of being a world's champion, to be the top in this business, the only title that means anything. And do you think I'm going to let somebody new come in here? And take it from me? You know, you're talking about a dream. If it was a dream of yours to be a world champion, you'd think you'd work a little bit harder, Eddie. Oh, we're going to go yeah, there yeah, with yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we are going to go, go there. there we are going to go there. Because you have so much Don't talent. Me, it makes me so Don't. mad. Don't touch it me. makes me so mad. You're so tough. You have so much heart. But you put in zero work outside the ring. That's what you and did. maybe if you did, maybe yeah. if you did, you would have been a world yeah. champion yeah. already. All right, sweetheart. All right, I'll see you soon. We'll, t- we'll see about hard work. We're done, Shivani. I'm good. I'm trying to go. I ain't trying to do this, man. I'm trying to chill out. <laughs> He's got no chance because he can't put in enough work this week to make up for the last 20 years.